and we're just recording it as well. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Um, I'll just introduce you briefly. Thank um, you, Auntie Floyd. Um, Ines. Um, Tammy, thank you for joining in. Um, also, also, I'll just introduce Grace uh, briefly, but she will, you know, say more about herself. And so Grace is a third year uh, student at, uh, and she's doing a postgraduate in education at UCL in primary education. She is a drama uh, therapy practitioner and specializing in dementia care and survival of sex trafficking as well. So she, she's, she's an, she, according to, uh, so she's an, she's into act activism. So she, so she does a lot of active, uh, active speaking. Um, and so she does a lot of listening, learning, and also um, um, contributing to the society. And so that's just a brief, brief intro. Uh, I'll let, um, Grace, take over and introduce yourself a little bit more, and then we can carry on with the discussion for the night. Amazing. So, yeah, I am about to finish my degree in drama and theatre studies. Um, alongside this, I've been continuing with my drama therapy. Um, I've been working with the charity for three years now, um, which has been such an honour. Um, and in September, I will be starting my PGCE at UCL Institute of Education in primary education. Um, so I've got a real passion for um, education and social change and teaching and yeah, it is, it is a real, real pleasure to be here this evening. Thank you. And I think uh, all thanks to Inish as well. So we got introduced to Inish. Really, thank you to her. Uh, so mm. like I said, it, you know, others, they're, they're online and it's just us who are, you know, <laughs> yeah. watching our camera. Uh, so I'll just kind of just tell us, um, Okay, what your drive is before we, mm -hmm. you know, what your passion is. And, you know, you've talked a little bit about that. If you just go deeply into what your drive is really, what you're really passionate about. Yeah, so I, I think I'm quite an emotionally driven person. Um, in my adolescent and adult life, I've really tried to challenge that um, into my drama therapy work and work with kids. And I'm a firm believer that education is a tool for real good social change um, and it starts from the word go right from childhood um, we should be teaching and raising children who can become good advocates for social change understanding injustice um, and history and really equipping them with the tools for them because they are our future um, and I think that when we start them young then they can just grow that education and uh, feed the community. Um, so yeah, that drive definitely comes from, I think, seeing injustice as well um, and traveling and um, working with people who've, who've faced real hardships. Um, obviously I am 
so fortunate enough to have not experienced them first on. Um, and, and so doing the work that I can to be there for people who've experienced that is, is really, really important for me and, and really fuels me. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so I think I would just throw the next question and then that will lead to the conversation from mm -hmm. the audience as well. Um, so what's your view on feminism, especially in the society that we live yeah. in? Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to address my privilege as a white, straight, cisgendered, able-bodied, thin woman. Um, I am slowly um, learning and unlearning the amount of privilege that I have, um, that I have been given. Um, and that's really, really important to me. Um, personally, I really struggle with the word feminism and feminist. Um, I feel like society's palatable feminism is a place where people who look like me and who are like me are represented, but I don't feel like um, society's palatable feminism represents the oppression that fat women, black women, disabled women, trans women, working class women, LGBTQIA plus women face. Um, and I feel like it has been watered down to either be radical feminism, which wants to dismantle the patriarchy and yes, of course, um, or it's this sort of girl boss feminism, this hashtag girl boss, which relies on capitalism, which relies on this new Jeff Bezos, which both of them, in my opinion, don't leave space at the table for fat women, black women, disabled women, trans women, working class women, LGBTQIA plus women. And I think in order for that to change and change is due, you know, um, the one key thing is more education about intersectional feminism, how to be intersectional um, in your feminism is crucial and actually putting that into action because there's so much you can say on social media and, um, and think and read, but unless you're putting that into action with your peers, with the community, then nothing is going to change. Um, you know, Angela Davis said in 2017 at the Women's March, inclusive intersectional feminism that calls upon all of us to join the resistance to racism, to Islamophobia, to anti-Semitism, to misogyny, to capitalist exploitation. You know, addressing those key things, then we can move forward but I don't feel like um, feminism today does that. I feel it is very exclusive um, and it does not leave space at the table for women who do not have the privileges that I do. Okay. All right then, that's a good one. Um, Auntie Flora, what's your take on this? I think Grace has said um, in her view, it's very exclusive. Um, what's your view on this? My, well, my, my view on um, white feminism, let's call it like, yeah. let's call it what it is, it is white feminism. 
white women only got fe um, their feminist right in the 1970s, to be very honest, yeah? But the thing is that they forget in their history, when you talk about education, white people, if I'm not racist, but I'm just gonna use the term, okay? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> education, yeah? Mm -hmm. The problem with a lot of white education is that you lie, your people lie. Mm -hmm. okay? With the advent of what happened with that rubbish, they call Black Lives Matter. And I know the reason why I call it rubbish, because it wasn't about Black people, okay? It, it just wasn't. Unfortunately, yes, we all did see somebody get murdered publicly, live, online, and we now know the horror of what it looks like to kill somebody. You know, regardless of gender, race, you know, um, religious beliefs. But the thing is, feminism actually started. Africa is the cradle of Western feminism. Feminism started in ancient Egypt over 5,000 years ago. They, black women were the only women who were allowed to own gold, property, be doctors, and stuff like that. Even though in ancient Rome, uh, Plato spoke about feminism because he was siding with women thinking they could bring something to the political table. Um, there was a man called, uh, is it Marcius Plato's Crafter, who was completely against it. So um, when ancient Egypt started its feminist movement, it was all inclusive and it had gender equality in it. The only part where women did not belong within Egypt in, um, you know, being females was actually active politics. They couldn't get to certain ranks, but four um, Egyptian women actually got to the rank of Pharaoh. Even though you people call her Queen, Queen Cleopatra or whatever it is, Cleopatra is actually a recorded pharaoh, and she's the one of uh, four of the first pharaohs in Egypt. So when I, as an African woman, but also westernized, because you know, uh, parents, people travel, <laughs> and people are born everywhere, I look at um, the feminist movement in um, Western countries. I find it reasonable. I find it because one thing I noticed with um, the thing about being of different culture, you notice people's mentalities. That's the first thing you notice about somebody of different culture from you, because their logic is completely different. They somehow convince themselves that what they're telling themselves is the truth, while you being slightly wiser know that it's a lie. You know, it's like perpetrated lie where you know we were all taught at schools that were western of western influence that christopher columbus discovered america how do you discover a land that god already put there you know mm -hmm. what I mean? how do you discover that then secondly you raise the monument to this um hidden rapist this horrible human being um quite frankly the son of satan and yeah. you were praising him and unfortunately, Black Lives Matter didn't have to happen because it was a matter of um, provocation.
let us long standing provocation. Because historically, when you talk about uh, people of color and different races, you know, obviously you say you have your white privilege, the Tongo, you recognize that. The thing is that um, historically, black people were the ones who educated white people. Now, if you look at the books of Homer, Socrates, Plato, you would know that they had to go to the first and only university in the world, which was based in Africa. How then do you take the knowledge and the wisdom you got from that land, go back to your people, then life proceed to lie to them, you understand? Whilst yeah. there are still records in this world, and I'm glad that you're going to UCL University because I have to say that it's one of the better universities in the UK, it's actually in the top 10. And there probably a lot of um, Caucasians were very disappointed when they got there and realized the reality of life because there is a professor, I've forgotten his name, he's English as well, who teaches the true African history and let's let informs people who were deceived uh, into thinking that the West was superior, yeah. that Africa was more superior. Yeah. But out of propaganda, jealousy, envy, wanting to put down um, a race that has achieved more than them and they did not want to recognize it, change the history a little bit and lie in the history books, blah, blah, blah. So for me, when you talk about women of culture and feminism and the privileges, I tend to find that White women, particularly, have an anger issue. It's a term that they tend to use for black people a lot, an angry black woman, why are you so aggressive? Nya, nya, nya. But white women themselves are actually quite aggressive. Yes, they want to bring down, you made a comment that they want to bring down the patriarchy, it is true. Because at the end of the day, um, a man can be a feminist. Mm -hmm. A man can be a feminist. Later was one of the world's first recorded feminists. Yeah. Because he was supporting the feminist cause in Rome for the women. You know what I mean? So to me, it's like, okay, you want to be a ladder, you want to sleep with whoever you want to sleep, because this is modern day feminism. You want to sleep with whoever you want to sleep with. Well, you know what? That's between you and God. But do you need to be a feminist to do that? No, you don't. You know what I mean? But unfortunately. You have to remember that the scales of, of life are balanced in such a way that women have historically always had a place and an image. You know, societally, historically, they've always had a place and an image. Um, you know, whilst men also had theirs. You know, when you think about prehistoric man, you think of um, the hunter provider, the protector, the this, the that, yeah? Now, modern men, some of them, let's be honest, they've kind of been emasculated by their own Western women because you find them very soft. To me, even though I'm an African brought up in Europe <laughs> and I've quite extensively enjoyed traveling all over most, most of the world, I don't view white men as particularly masculine. Mm. I don't, because there is a soft side to it that I'm not used to. I'm used to strong, 
black masculine men who are comfortable in their sexuality and all these. Then you come to Europe and then you find out that there's all these uh, permissions, you know, that are mind boggling, you know what I mean? And I mean, to crown it all for me, um, even now, it's, even though it's not part of the topic, it's kind of directly related to it. It's the government allowing homosexuals to get married in church. But hold up, they already had civil ceremony to help them along. So why would you bring them to such a holy place and desecrate it? Because the Bible says quite clearly, these people cannot get married before God in that particular holy place. So if white people are quite um, free to um, disregard that which they themselves took to other foreign lands, that's not just Africa, the Middle East and everything else, mm -hmm. and we're trying to tell us that, oh, well, you know, Jesus is like this, and Jesus does this, and Jesus does that. That's why you have to become a Christian and do this and do that. Then white people are hypocrites. So for me, Caucasian feminism is a nonsense. You have anger issues against men. You want to act the way you want to act. That's up to you. I just think everybody has the freedom of choice. When God created man, everybody has the freedom of choice. If you want to sleep with a hundred men a night, hey, kudos to you. I hope you find sexual satisfaction somewhere in between. You know what I mean? Because mm. <laughs> everybody and be happy. It doesn't happen. So when we talk about feminism, what are we talking about? Because you people have, look like you're fighting men. Okay, I can understand um, equal, equal pay or equal job. If you're a female engineer, you spend the same time in a university as a male, your male counterpart, you are entitled to the same wages. That's, I'm, I'm for it all day long. Mm -hmm. But when you now use feminism to be cruel, to be nasty, to emasculate not just your own men, but people of another race as mm -hmm. well, to make yourself feel better, then that is where I have a problem with Caucasian feminism. Yeah. Because I'm thinking Egypt managed it where there was gender equality to the point where four outstanding women, Cleopatra, Nefertiti, that were, were pharaohs, became pharaohs in a world that seemed impossible at the time. But did they go to war? that no they didn't have to go to war they dialogue so when did white women become so intensively aggressive that you cannot even dialogue with the men of your own country that's what i'm asking myself hmm. that's a good question grace um what's your take on that I mean, the law has been said. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Um, I think I think there are so many issues with feminism today. It is white feminism. It is, um, you know, exclusive to white people. Um, it is, you know, a, I've read a lot of articles recently about how white feminism can act as white supremacy in heels you know, um, 
for example, when uh, Nia Wilson was murdered in Oakland, you know, a lot of white women centered themselves in that narrative, um, wanting to, who were calling themselves intersectional feminists, um, but were not showing up for the black community. Um, and they somehow felt oppressed because people were getting angry at them for the way that they were conducting themselves in that time. If there is not intentional action-based um, inclusive feminism of women of color, then feminism is simply white supremacy in heels. You know, that's a quote from a Harper's Bazaar article um, about it. I agree that there are so many um, issues with white feminism that it needs to be um, completely deconstructed from the ground up in order to be inclusive. It 100% originated in Africa and the colonization and the taking of, of that language and the ideas and taking it to Europe and completely changing it and whitewashing it and, um, you know, just ruining it. I completely agree. Um, I think that feminists in the UK who are white, that there is a lot that needs to be changed and a lot that needs to be done in order to um, uplift the voices of women of color, of trans women, of people in the LGBTQIA plus community. And I think that is not being done. Um, yeah, I really value everything that you've said and, and I'm taking it on board and I'm, I'm really soaking it up. So yeah, thank you for, um, for sharing that. Yeah, so I think if I, if I just pick on, you know, what's been said as well, um, like, uh, I think a lot of, there's lack of information, right? Yeah. So uh, people need to know uh, these things, right? So the information, the history, the African history yeah. and so on. And it's just, again, and there is that gap, you know, where you like, wherever, whichever government status, for example, is that gap of lack of information. And it's mm -hmm. just, again, a question for um, uh, anti-Floyd. So where do you think, how do you think this information needs to start trickling into the government, you know, into people? Because I, ideally some, you know, some white people, they don't just know these things. They inherited this information from parents, from generation, isn't it? And they've just, you know, taken that, that, that mindset. So I think the question is for both of you, where do you think, how do you think baby steps, if we're going to take baby steps, so where do you think we need to start breaking those barriers and how and if and, um, and where should we start really? I think that's that's an issue if we need to start making sure that information is there for people to know and then change can begin to occur is how do we get to that stage? I think that's the question. Um, Who are you speaking to? Me or yes, the young yes, lady? Yeah, you, you and Florian, then uh, I think um, Grace can, you know, can add to it. You can take on it first. That's okay. For me personally, I think 
I, I think now with everything that has happened, you know, with COVID, the pandemic and everything else, the mind of diaspora in the, in the Western world is changing very slowly, but quite rapidly. And um, a brutal reality has come to it. It's not just with the, the George Floyd incident, you know, or how it was dealt with. And um, even a lot of diaspora that were born in Europe <clears throat> are now realizing certain things. You know what I mean? And I mean, historically as well, we've seen that cultural alliances through marriages in the Western world with people of a different color do not work, mm. unless it is genuine love, they mm. do not work because everything ends in a, a rather vindictive divorce. You know, like when a black man has a wake up call, the white woman is acting like she needs to own everything. You know, we've seen, we've seen famous footballers who've made that mistake. Emmanuel Ebue, the wife all the money. We don't understand how the judge said it was okay. He became homeless. He lost his mind. He had to go back home and people had to save him, you know? So there are many like, figures that I could give about this, this cultural mi mixing that does not work to the advantage of Black people. But the problem also lies with Black people in part. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to say that it's just our parents, because today, the way the world has changed us, it requires the parents to be more outside of the home, earning a living than inside of the home. Like our parents before our own parents, you know, I mean, grandparents before our own parents, where at least there was kind of like a, a choice and an option, you know, for the mother to stay at home. The father used to earn X amount and that was okay for the dad, you know, and for the whole household. But now it's like both, uh, both members of the family, mom and dad, have to go out because life has become so extortionate, so expensive that yes. we all have these dreams and ambitions for our children that we barely have time to sit with them to do their homework. Mm. For Africa, I can only speak, well, mostly for Africa, that I think that we need to get rid completely of the Western education system in Africa. We need to just get rid of it because they don't teach us in their country. Why are we teaching them in our land? if you get my meaning, you know what I mean? What, what are we gaining from, from, you know, discussing their history with our own children in our own schools? We need to go back to the original African history where we teach the complete truth. So that way, education starts in self-identity. When you are comfortable in who you are and you know where you are from, you know where you are going. Unfortunately, people think that it's a cliche, but it's actually the truth. If you know where you really your roots are, there is nothing anybody can do to you in whichever country you go to, because you are comfortable in your skin. And that is the first thing, the psychological, the emotional, the educational part of it that African parents have to take care of, especially with their girls, because the way African households are raised or set up is that young women in an African household are trained to 
become managers at a very early age, whilst boys are trained different. Boys have the freedom to go and find themselves. Let me put it like that. You know what I mean? Because if your mom is cooking and she's calling somebody, she's got two children, she's calling somebody to learn to cook, she ain't calling your brother. Let's be honest, that's African mothers for you. Yeah. She's calling you because you're the girl. Yeah. And she's saying, no, when you get married, you know, you need to have this set of skills for your husband, for your children, for this, for that. Yeah. But also now, with the way life is, it's quite unfair because I'm, I'm more, I am not really traditionalist, but I'm very opinionated for an African woman, and I know it. Yeah. And I just think that the scales should be balanced whereby boys too need to learn how to cook. Because these days, we don't all get married at the age of 20. We don't all get married at the age of 30. Now, the average age to get married uh, generally in the world, it's like 37 coming up 40. Yeah. People are not being cautious with this whole thing because marriage, people have realized, is actually a spiritual thing between two human beings. So if you don't want to end in divorce, you know, you can't have the Western attitude where you think, uh, you know what, well, uh, well, if it doesn't work, we can always get a divorce because these days it's quite easy. Yeah? yeah. You can get divorced within... In this country, you can get divorced within even a month if yeah. your partner is agreed. Yeah. You know, to me, there is no more restrictions on that. You know, it's yeah. only if your partner wants to be a pain in the bum that you have to drag them to court in front of a judge for them to sign the papers and, and it's done. But yeah. uh, do, a bid, do a bid on domestic violence and you'll find that the papers can be signed without you being present. You know, so yeah. you can get divorced very easy. Whilst in Africa, they're still so uh, societally funded in Africa, they're very community orientated. And also we are very careful about how we appear to our neighbor. That's the African thing. And sometimes mothers are given to, uh, to uh, providing their daughters the wrong advice in marriage. Mm. Let me be honest, because I've seen it. Mm. Yeah? Because a, a, a daughter will tell you, oh, my husband is aggressive, he's violent, he's this. Ah, my daughter, you cannot go and get divorced to him or just keep praying. Just keep praying. He will change. He will change. He will change yeah. how? The man is beating you in the house. He can kill you. Unless you're a natural fighter yourself, unless you're a taekwondo expert yourself, then yeah, maybe you can manage that relationship. But let's be honest. I don't care what my neighbor thinks if you touch my child. Mm. You see what I mean? I don't care. My daughter wants to get divorced. Okay, is it my dream? No, it's not. But if I see that the marriage goes into a violent whatever, then it's a no, no. So yeah. for me, African parents too also have to evolve with certain things. You understand? Your neighbor does not pay your bills. Society does not pay your bills. Um, in Africa, yes, thank God, there's still some people who believe in sharing their food and all this, unlike Western Europe where you can sit in front of a so-called friend at McDonald's, you can be broke and your friend doesn't even buy you a 99p burger, but they will eat in front of you. And in Africa, that's the highest form of insult. Because if you eat in front of somebody, you're actually telling them that you don't like them. That is the message. So in Africa, we're used to, ah, my friend, you go chop, bring us food, we'll chop in the same plate, you know, no problem. Yeah. So if you eat deliberately in front of somebody, you're telling them something indirectly. I don't like you. 
you see? So the thing with um, Western feminism, it was created, I think it's, it's, it's America that first fought, yeah, because there were four different waves in the Western world for feminism. And the first one started in 1848, where this woman who had no right to vote in America, I think it was Illinois or something, decided to go and vote and got arrested because she refused to pay the fine. Then a big protest started, blah, 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 blah. Then obviously there was the movement of the suffragettes that happened shortly thereafter, women burning their bras, you know, because white women were not allowed to have a voice politically or even to vote. Now, am I, am I against it or am I in support of it? No, I'm not, because they are citizens of that land, so they should have an opinion. Yeah. So, it, um, so when you look at some of Western history, it's quite similar to Middle Eastern is history. When I'm talking about Middle East, I'm not talking about Egypt, I'm talking about you know, Saudi Arabia, blah, 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 where they were very, very similar in the way in which they treated their women. Even in ancient uh, Greece, they mm -hmm. treated women the same way. Yeah. They don't have too much between the head. We can't give them anything too challenging to think about because they're delicate flowers. So they can't own gold, they can't own property, they can't own this, they can't own that. And because we are the men and we are the ones who help with creation, we, we can own everything as long as we feed them and keep them quiet. You mm. know, all they have to do is get mm. pretty mm. and then everything is all right with our world. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, women wanted more. So yeah, yeah you, have to, you have to have equal rights because feminism was based on that. It was based on sensible dialogue between people of different genders. There was support in it because if you can talk if you can talk to somebody and reason with them as to the reason why you are a necessary part of the land and the political landscape, even the most arrogant of men can understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And see, you know what? We are losing votes, actually, because if it's only men that stand up to go and vote, we are losing votes. Yeah, so if these women can actually support I don't know, whoever they fancy in the political landscape, that's even more kudos to us, more vote, you know? So there's all the advantages of giving African women those type of freedom. Mm. And you know, were the first doctors, the first doctors came from Africa, blah, 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 blah. So now how do we change this history? Um, it's a difficult conversation to have even with the modern white woman. Mm. Because the problem with a lot of human beings, it is ego. They're driven by ego. And I remember the, the words of, um, of a philosopher who's American, and his name was James, I forget the rest of it. I think it was James Williamson or something. He said that the ego only um, exists as a fortress to uh, deceive the mind from reality. Milton said something quite similar. He said the problem with human beings when he wrote Paradise Lost was that human beings can make a hell of paradise and hell paradise. And that's the thing. A lot of so-called feminist white women, I think that their problem with black women is that they feel threatened by us. And it's a psychological threat 
You understand? It's not that a black woman needs to open her mouth and just say to you, you know what, I'm going to beat you up today, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not that. Just seeing a strong white woman, a black woman, makes them feel threatened. The white people are brought up with a supremacist mindset. And the problem with mindset in human beings is that if you are not willing to change your thinking, then you cannot change the world because change starts with you. And that's the problem with that. So you can dialogue personally, do I think in 10 years, 50 years time, this conversation will end? No, it will never end. It will never end because already the problem with white women and black women is that white women have a lack of acceptance of the cultural differences that black women and other women of color have in their culture and can bring to their table. You know, the cradle of civilization is Africa. Even white scientists have had to admit it. The cradle of civilization is Africa. The true name of Africa is actually Al-Kebulan. That's the real name of Africa. But they changed it to Africa. We are tolerating it because it kind of suits us at the moment, but it's really Al-Kebulan. And where we tribes, no, the people who were on that land were not tribes. There were nations, nations that Western people came to force together in one land. And you being a Nigerian woman, you know the problems that are presenting themselves in Nigeria currently. We're now calling them tribalistic. They're not tribalistic problems. They're problems of nations wanting to go back to what they had, wanting to have their empires restored. You know what I mean? Uh, And stuff like that. They want to separate themselves from the others. But you being Yoruba or whatever, when you're in London here, you can talk to an Igbo person, you can talk to a Bendor person, you can talk, there is no problem between us. Yeah. There is no problem at all. But this problem was created by the Western world Mm -hmm. when we came to the invasion. And one of the most outstanding wars that brought that to the forefront was actually the the Afrin War. And it was from the Biafran War that Caucasians got that image of the black child with the fly, you know, permanently buzzing around. You know, today, the white media keeps doing the same thing. But when you take a white friend to Africa, oh, when they land at the airport, they can't believe it. Oh, guess what? We've got bricks and mortar. Hey, guess what? They got skyscrapers. Oh, my God. <laughs> they got lips. Can't believe it. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? so it's like <laughs> it's gonna take it's gonna take it's gonna take a, a difficulty, but the new generation, you people are millennials, so I think that millennials could have that conversation. Mm-hmm. If it was organized properly, and yeah. obviously inspiring older people like myself mm-hmm. above the age of you know 35, 40, coming to help you along would probably mm-hmm. help open the doors. You must come with an open mind. Yeah, 
not start to get unreasonably sensitive when people are going, oh yeah, but you're black, or you're, you're white, blah, blah, blah. It depends on which context people are saying it. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I yeah. don't the term, but nobody took offense because that's what we are talking about, the, the cultural mm -hmm. differences between us. And that conversation of black, white, or Asian, or whatever, needs to be had openly. That's how it starts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Grace. I'm conscious. Inez, do you want to go for it? Yeah. Inez, sorry. Go on. Um, can you guys hear me? Yeah. yeah. Uh, one, of, one of the questions is, the question that is for Grace and Auntie Flo, I heard that Auntie Flo mentioned about feminists, uh, why feminists, feminists, they'll be jealous of black women. And mm -hmm. uh, my question is, um, do you think it's based on the racism that was planted in their head that makes them to be a little bit, that makes them to, uh, to detach away from, from Black to be white? Mm -hmm. I, I will answer that as briefly as possible. Yeah. I didn't say uh, jealousy. I said they feel threatened. Mm -hmm. White women generally feel threatened by black women. Mm -hmm. Especially the more attractive the black woman, the more threatened they feel. You know. Yeah. But as I said, white. The problem with a lot of white people is that they're brought up with a supremacist mindset. Absolutely. And that mindset is based on lies. So therefore, until you open up the, the books, the, you know, the hidden books, the hidden treasures, to prove to them, to make them understand that you are living in a delusional mental world because you are not superior. You know, like the joke is like grace before, let me make it short so I can let you speak. If I go, Grace, the joke before I go is that you people like to refer to black people or people of color as minorities, but actually it's white people that are global minorities. Yeah. You know, they it's amusing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it, it all perpetrates to the, to the delusion of that mm -hmm. white that they have, and they feel automatically threatened. You know, in the news, you see it. I mean, you look at the Kardashians and stuff like that. You study their behavior. If you're into social studies or psychology, when you when you study the body language of somebody like Kim Kardashian next to an attractive, very attractive black girl, you see that she changes a bit. Something mm -hmm. You study certain celebrities and you, you know that they're not comfortable in their own skin. But yeah. what is going on? I'm not there to threaten you. I'm just here to have a conversation with you. If you don't want to converse, that's okay. So that's what I said, okay? So thanks, Grace. <laughs> I I love that. I like, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think that because of the ingrained and taught white supremacy that every white person has, like you, like every white person has, has learnt white supremacy. You can, it's 
you cannot unlearn it. You can rewire your brain, but you cannot unlearn that because that has been your entire life. You know, and, and the more that white people understand that, the more that they can actually have these conversations and speak with people and, and listen and not talk over people, but listen to them. You know, white women are so threatened by black women, by beautiful black women, because it is this, this infatuation with the female black body that so many white women get plastic surgery to have the Kardashians, perfect example. They get plastic surgery to try and make themselves look like they have uh, darker skin, they have a, a larger bum, they have bigger boobs, they have a slimmer waist, things like that. You know, it, it is black fishing, it is blackface, you know, tanning, things like that. You're taking everything from black women and, and their features, but you are not taking on the culture and the, and the oppression that black women face. You know, it, it is like picking and choosing. It's like a pick and mix of what you want to, to look like. But life doesn't work like that. You can't do that because once you understand the, or once you begin to learn about the systemic and systematic oppression that black women face, you know, you, you realize how, how awful that is. You know, I completely agree with, with what you've said. And, you know, linking to white people being a minority, we are completely brainwashed by the media, by the education. It is so deeply rooted in colonization and this whole Great Britain going overseas and colonizing all of these places. It is so ingrained in the education system that needs to be deeply decolonized. You know, teaching children about African kings and queens, not just focusing on slavery, which is a minute part of the existence, you know, looking at dynasties, looking at nations, you know, really understanding the origins of, of Africa, understanding that that is where humanity started. You know, instead of looking at World War I and World War II, which is completely whitewashed, you know, you should not just be looking at the, it, it's like all of these films, predominantly filmed with, films with predominantly black casts are typically about the oppression that black people have faced. And of course that's important for people to learn about. However, I think it's also equally important to show films of black joy, of culture, of, you know, experiencing incredible things because if we keep on seeing black suffering from white people, then that just kind of, it, it keeps white supremacy ticking along instead of, instead of ending it, instead of trying to deconstruct it. It is a thick wall that needs to be broken down. And in order to do that, you have to listen and you have to have conversations and unwire your brain because it is so deeply ingrained. You know, I feel like as white, as a white person, as like white friends and everything, if somebody called you racist, that would be the worst. That would be like, oh my gosh, how could you call me racist? But every white person is racist. You know, you cannot grow up learning that like 
white people are, you know, somehow superior, somehow, you know, smarter or prettier and, and not be racist. It is, it is impossible to unlearn that because that's what you've experienced your whole life. Mm. But what you can do is listen to people and educate yourself. And that's what's important. And, you know, learning about these things is, is crucial and listening to people especially mm. thanks for that i think initially we add to it i think I, I completely agree with you you know the the films of the you know showing how uh, black struggles as well i saw I, again i'll blame that to you know the psychological impact you know that have been bestowed on poor you know the black community as well so again i think you said again that you need to educate yourself and get this information. Um, like the way Auntie Flora said, I don't think our generation, the white, you know, the generation would change. So it's up to you, the young generation to make that change. Because again, I think most of the, most of the white people within our generation, even to my grandmoms have been, you know, brainwashed, you know, and that, oh, okay. It's not even because they're white, I'm, I'm a British woman. So that, that makes me a higher, higher grade compared to you, isn't it? So, um, so it, uh, there is a lot of work to be done. Um, but I just feel there is hope from, you know, for the young generation. But again, I just feel um, there's this question, you have to educate yourself, but how do you educate yourself? One is to have the education and secondly is to have that change, right? Um, I just feel there's a lot to be done. Um, Inesh, what's your take on this? <laughs> what, on what question sorry no, I, I didn't read so i said what's your take on this because i just feel a lot needs to be done right and um, so if we're going to be changing the way we think um i just feel our generation and the older generation and uh, there is kind of a barrier there and um, mm -hmm. so the only way i feel the change will call is from you, the younger generation. But and again, is how do you begin to break those minute barriers in you know in in, in society? Um, one uh, can you guys can you guys hear me? Yes. Oh, okay. Um one of the things that we need to do as a young generation that I truly believe, I think we, we discussed it with uh, Grace once, once, I believe that there's something called unity among us. I feel like, I feel like we need to unite, we need to speak our truth, whether it might be hard for others to, you know, to digest. I feel like Unity is, is the only way to go forward and to express ourselves in a sincerely ways, which I, I believe if we start expressing ourselves and we start uniting and we start having that dialogue and the communication among us, I feel like there's a changes. There's a, there's a, I won't say the changing will start uh, happening, but like like we all 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 of us agree that it will be difficult in a sense that 
white women already, white people already have that idea of of being, you know, of of being the the kings and the queens of the universe in a sense that um, they believe that they're better than us. So um, I feel like the only way we can go forward if is to uh, is us as young generation, no matter where you come from, what, what your background, is just to start having that communication, that dialogue among us and educating, like Grace says, educating our parents showing showing that uh we do not believe in the past beliefs and that's the only way that i believe we can go forward mm. okay okay so dr mr ade i don't know if you have anything to say i know you've been listening in the background thank you inish do you have any comments so far uh well done everybody uh, I just took myself off because I'm actually having another meeting at the background. <laughs> Sorry about that. And uh, you will probably still hear some noises at the background, but excuse it. So as long as you can hear me, I think uh, Grace spoke wonderful, and uh, I've quietly listened to uh, Florence as well and Inish. It's uh, what we look at is they said uh, you can take a horse to a stream but you cannot force the horse to drink from the stream. And if it is situation like this as it is, there is never anything too late, uh, Matida, in my own opinion. The journey of a thousand miles would have the fourth step. They could start by putting education in schools, about educating people about British empire, for me, if half of the youngsters and the older generation got or know 1% about British empire, there would not be anything called racism. There was a time they called British empire as an empire that doesn't sleep. You know the reason why? Because they were in hundred over hundred countries. So if you're in over hundred countries and you call it Commonwealth, Commonwealth, we are all the same. We are all in it together. So therefore, if you call that time, why they call it a city that doesn't sleep is very simple is that when it's dark here, it's sunny in Australia and so on and so forth. But these are all part of the empire. Britain made it one empire. Britain is one of the only country on this face of this planet that never got colonized or colonized over a hundred countries. And then say to them, we are one. In fact, I could go back to what Grace said about I mean, World War I and Two. World War II, where did they fought, I mean, the war fought? They fought it in Africa. But it wasn't African war. It was the West, the German, the American, and they start fighting in El Amin and uh, Algeria and Africa. 
and how many Africans died. And at that time, they called on soldiers and said, come and fight for the motherland. Not come and be Africa, fight for the motherland. Great empire, the Commonwealth, the Britain, come and fight for the motherland. When Vatican City in Rome wanted an independence from Britain, it said Britain, what we call a wooden horse that explode on impact. Now, apart from that, many countries never left. In fact, another beautiful thing is, is that Northern Ireland was one of the first country over 200 years ago, Britain colonized the first, and they're still not letting go right now. They still got Ireland in it. So therefore, if you unpack and you, you start pieces in it one by one, then you look at the empire and this education is taught at elementary level, right all the way to the university level. There will be some sad part of it that you would uncover, which is the genocide. Because don't, don't get me wrong, I went to a school, during my secondary school there, I actually love a poem written by a French black man called uh, uh, Diego Drum. And he, he addressed this, he said, the vultures are built by the virtue of talent. And he said, gone are the days when civilization is the phrase of the day. And they use Bible, holy water to slap our Chinese jaw. The vultures were built by the virtue of their talent. Who was he referring to? He was referring to the colonial master, the imperialist. Now, 1888, during the Great Berlin I mean, uh, scramble for Africa, they divided and carved Africa into segments. And that segment still remains till today. They said the Russian takes some part, the Britain takes some part, the Far East and America take some part, and they colonize Africa in that accordingly. All these histories, if by virtue of one clear logic the youth of today could advocate and beg for this to be taught at school it's they they are being deprived of enormous enormous history and lessons and the history of our planet of our globe they depriving the generation from it and that deprivation is sad to the point that it almost makes them, I don't want to say the rude word, but it's always actually take things away from their generation. We, during our generation, during our generation, we were able to uh, get those education and it kind of uh, broadened our mind. It gave me some lecture that when I started learning about it, say many years ago, I actually learned something saying, Africa is actually bigger than the whole of Europe. You could put Britain, France, Russia, America, Australia inside Africa and there will still be space. And they draw a map of Africa that tiny 
and then draw the whole of other smaller places bigger than Africa. So I thought, okay, I think I'm learning something here. So when I met a Chinese man and he wanted to talk and he said, oh, you that country, I said, sorry, I am clever than you. And the Chinese man looked at me and goes, what? I said, you know what? I am far, far superior than you. I come from the biggest continent on earth. And I am in your country, in China, in China speaking Chinese, and you cannot even speak my language. So tell me who is dumb. If I could communicate in your language to you effectively, and if I spoke Yoruba, you wouldn't even understand. If I say, well, Kalojeba, do you know what I've just said? You wouldn't have a clue. So therefore, talk about education. I know that my country is bigger than you. Africa is bigger than you. Talk about linguistic or language. I am superior than you because you could only speak one language. I could speak more. So therefore, telling me as an African man that I'm daft, only a daft African man will believe you. A well-educated black person will say, sorry, you don't know what you're talking about because A, I am smarter than you. I, when I got to uh, Europe, in fact, I went to Germany and they said to me, oh, before you can do anything in Germany, you have to be able to speak the language. I took crash course, two weeks, and I could, and I went. And the man says, saying, oh, these black people, I said, sorry, the black man in front of you is not only more knowledgeable than you, I could speak three languages. Tell me what else can you say? The same thing I went to France, I was taking my children all the way to Paris. We got to the toll gate. The man won't talk to us. So I said, I start speaking. He went on and went on and went on. So he goes, if you cannot speak French, you can't come in. Mm -hmm. so I thought, okay, I'm not going to speak French. I'm going to say, you are a monkey. So when I said that in English, he went, he starts speaking English. So I said, look at that. It is ignorance that what I'm trying to say. Mm. It's mm. ignorance. Yeah. Every educated person. In fact, I have colleagues that I run a business. My business partner is from uh, is white and is from uh, uh, up north. We've been to Africa several times. Look on my Facebook, you will see him. And he said only the uneducated white or Chinese, French, German talk down and look down on Africa. The wealthy, the rich, the well-educated would never do it because they know that's where their bread is buttered. Yeah. For the 80 or 60% of the community in this area, be it France, China, 80% of them or 40% of them that never travel, doesn't know how to make money, will look down on the black or the African. Until that time, they venture out and they go, wow, we thought the narrative we were given, these people are from the dark age, living on the tree, swinging from tree to tree in a jungle. But wow, it is different. So therefore, it goes back to what I started off with. If 
only the history of the empire and many other empires are taught at school from the elementary level to the advanced level. We will not change the narrative. Yeah. And once it's taught at that level, from the elementary to the higher level, not only that they would empower the youth in the Western world, they will also show them where wealth, wealth, resources, money. Mm. But the big boys at the top want to keep it to themselves so that when they go out there, they will make the money and come back and say, it's a jungle, how they don't go? <laughs> because they don't want you to be rich. They don't want you to open and see what they've seen. That's part of it. If not, why would Britain become an empire to colonize the whole world if they are contempted here? Why did they go to Africa for diamond, cotton, and all of these resources if they contempt here? So they, they, they are so contempt. Why? But they know they wanted to keep it for the aristocrats and the, I mean, the colonial masters and the few months. So therefore, they will not tell others. So the narrative has to be different and they need to change it from the elementary level to the advanced level. Otherwise, the youth will be deprived of the benefits they could harness and enjoy there. It's deprivation of education. Knowledge deprivation. So that is it. Sorry, that's thank what I can contribute. Thank no, thank you, Mr. Ade. Thank you so much. So I think we'll uh, we'll just round up. Um, so Grace, do you want to say your final before I my ask final piece? <laughs> <laughs> this is this is no way near the, the no way. We we take then. the conversation and uh, we take you know, we extend it. But now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for now, for now, it's it's been such a pleasure to to listen and to soak all of this in. I completely agree with everything that you just shared, um, and I think it is yeah starting from the grassroots mm. with education, um, teaching children about Black joy, about Africa, about the you know, how the richest person who ever was, was an African man, you know, teaching about all of these things is so important um, to empower black children to, to give white children the understanding that like, you know, you're, you're not, you're not superior, you're, you're not superior just because you grew up in the UK and just because you're white does not make you superior at all. Um, and yeah, continuing being intersectional in your feminism, speaking to people, like Ines said, we, we spoke about this in such depth before, unity, uniting as one, understanding that like, in order for things to change, we have to come together. White people have to shush and listen for the first time ever to what other people have to say and learn it and take that you know I feel like my views are so weak because they go off what other people say who aren't me you know we should be a sponge soaking up this information we should not be out here preaching and and things like that as a white person I should not be doing that because I need to be listening and I need to be unlearning and rewiring my brain mm -hmm. um 
and for people in my generation, you know, there is so much hope, so much hope, and we can't lose any momentum because there is so much that needs to be done, and we are capable of making the change that is far, that is long due. Um, yeah, thank you. Okay. Uh, thanks. Um, and Florence, do you want to add to it? <laughs> Oh well, um, yeah. But the problem, the problem is like the doctor said. What was the name of that man? You said Doctor something, right? Mister Ade. Mister Ade. Yes. Said, yeah. You, you can take a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. And that's the thing too with education. Um, you know, if somebody does not want to be educated, they will not be educated. If people are comfortable in their their spiritual state of ignorance they will carry on living in it quite comfortably and you know human nature is such that people don't understand that if you do not change your mental paradigm or your spiritual paradigm you cannot change your external world your paradigm starts with believing that you are more than what you think you are and one of the um, the writers that ever said one of the best things about man himself was uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky when he said man is three things who he knows he is who people think he is and who he believes he is so what do those words mean and that's the problem with human beings because I mean um, educated like Mr. Ade said educated white people um, those are the ones like I would talk to you about maybe some doctors that have had to do their training in Africa, Papua New Guinea and stuff like that to become accepted in their own field, in their own countries. The ones who are more educated, more broad-minded about races because they've had to live amongst the indigenous people. You know, there are some famous white people who have shunned the Western world and came to live in Africa. I myself come from a country that people don't even, England doesn't even mention in the news, except I think the one time I've heard England mentioning it in the news was when our president died, which is Gabon, you know, Central Africa. I'm French, you know what I mean? I'm French African, but you know, and I was like, oh, did I just hear right? And yet BBC has a world news, you, you understand? has a world news branch, you know what I mean? And people don't tell you that the first television station was actually in Nigeria before BBC was even invented, you know? Nigeria had street lamps way before, you understand, the colonials came in. And all these things are like so hidden, it, it's, it's just shocking. Even here, they honor so-called Black History Month, but they don't really educate people on what these Black people have achieved in the school, which actually changed the Western world. Yeah. Now, when you say to a white person, do you know that um, it's African architecture that actually inspired Caucasian, you know, African art that actually inspired Caucasian architecture? They look at you and they're kind of shocked. You know what I mean? 
But yet, there are so many books out there. If you really want to be educated, I mean, these days people have their phones. If you sorry, really want, sorry, to be sorry for what the point you just made there. Uh, up to date, they still could not understand how the pyramid was built, and exactly. it was a scientific architectural of the age that yeah. up to now scientists and architecture all over the world, instead of appreciating it, they say, in, oh, it's something from out of the bin. But up no, to now, no, the pyramid is the best and the good example. And when you look at what we call civilization, the first civilization is in Africa. So therefore, and now up to today, they could not understand and unravel that of the pyramid. And it still stands the test of the time. Only recently, so a scientist calculated the mathematics of to put this pyramid together, what someone has done over 2000 years ago. Mm. Sorry, uh, over to you, madam. Which, which is true, which is true, hence, you know, I was getting there, but you know, there's not enough time since we're wrapping up. But um, for me, education would be good. But the thing is, there is a superior education. And I want to mention Albert Einstein. Albert Einstein is a white Jewish man who invented, obviously, because of him, we know that E equal MC squared. Okay. But the thing is, Albert Einstein did tell people in his books that he didn't have the education to know this. He knew it spiritually. That's how he got the answers to most of what he invented, because he was intensively into prayer and meditation. So there is a superior education out there. People have to search, especially white people, they have to search their souls to seek that education. Because, I mean, everybody has heard that the first university in the world was in Africa. So therefore, how does it make sense to you that somebody like Christopher Columbus, Vasco da Gama, uh, Magellan, and all these people were the ones who discovered something whilst they were white and Caucasian? It doesn't make sense. So sometimes people need to go out there and look for the evidence so that it makes sense of what they've been taught in school. These things that I'm telling you about, about Egyptology and stuff like that, it wasn't a school that taught me that. That was because of my own natural curiosity because some things didn't make sense to me. And when I don't agree with certain things, I will die and I live to research to find the truth. And I will challenge my teacher on what she's teaching me because you are not going to lie to me when I am an educated black person who can read. You cannot do that. So therefore, for me, education in the schools, you can start at grassroots, will white people allow it? I think not, because right now there is a debate still going on of reparations to black people, the black soldiers, which Mr. Ide mentioned when uh, Grace talked about World War II, the wind rush scandal, of all the black people that came here were promised the British passport. And then after they did what they needed to do for the motherland, were you know repatriated back home, the passports were taken from them. The Falklands War with Margaret Thatcher was the same issue as well. Black people were not involved in your nonsense, but yet you looked to them as your people were dying. Yeah, you came to use them 
to make sure that your empire remains standing, yeah, you promise them a passport. What is there to a passport? A passport is only 100 quid. Mm. What is there to a passport? You promise them nationality and citizenship, but as soon as you got what you wanted, you told them to leave. So now, um, World War II, the black soldiers, people talk about um, the Holocaust. The Holocaust, okay, everybody knows the diary of Anne Frank because when we were all teenage girls, we all read that book or we saw the movie somewhere. But the thing is, it does not mention the black prisoners that Hitler got. It does not mention the black prisoners that were decapitated by Hitler. No, we, we have to feel sorry for our white counterparts because they died by gas. I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody, but I'm pretty sure that some of my ancestors who died, if you'd said to them, um, do you want to be decapitated or do you want to have the gas chamber? I think they would choose the gas chamber because at least you can go in one piece. Whilst decapitation is a different thing. It's quite horrible. People are cutting you up like a goat. Yeah. So that is the hidden history of the Western world. So when, for me, when the Caucasian wants to play superior with me, and wants to tell me about my people, I take offense. I take a particular offense to it. So will education be the thing that repairs it only to the ears that want to listen? That is the problem. It's only to the ears that want to listen. By the time I die, by the time you go away, you die as well, after being happily married and blah, 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 racism will still be here. Mm. That's the problem. Mm. 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 <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That's really, 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 really interesting. And, and I, yeah, I'm just, I'm soaking it all in. And, and I totally agree. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Inesh. Uh, we would like to invite Grace another time. Um, it's just again, what do you have to say, Inesh, before we round up? Um, I think everything that I had to, to say, I think uh, Auntie, Auntie Flo said it uh, the best way she could. And, <laughs> and also Grace has also, you know, included some thoughts in my mind that I was about to say. I, I think today was very fabulous. I thank everyone for participating as well. Um, what I just have to say is I believe that we have a long way to go based mm -hmm. on and based I believe that like Antifro said, to only people that have ears to hear or listen, that that's the only way that we can start saying we can start the changes. But if I believe that also that there are white people that are so are so sucked in the in a way that they just, how could I say, how could I put it? Like, they're just, they're just fine. They're just happy. Yeah. Happy yeah. with racism, happy of the privileges that is like, you have to like a, a fight, you have to die. They will yeah. be fighting for their privilege, not even accept give it away. And those type of people, I believe that they are the reason why that we still have racism in this society. And racism will take longer because we have people 
uh, those white people that I I also in pop. Mm, yeah. So, um. Yeah. I don't believe racism away because it's been five hundred years, centuries that it's been playing the same way. We've been playing the same game over again, and I don't believe that <laughs> white people will give their power for black people. That's no way. That's something that you have. They'll kill you. They will actually kill you. They will catch you. They will stop you for them to, to give you that power. And what I have to say for our generation is just to keep having that this discussion and keep bringing it into the light and talking it amongst one another. And from there, I'm not too sure, but we can say that maybe we are making steps, baby steps for changes. Mm. The unity is the only way to go forward. Hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, so I think uh, we'll leave it here. So baby steps or till we see a black prime minister one day in, uh, <laughs> in number 10. And um, so I think it would be Grace and Inesh generation that will walk towards that. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Day, for taking our time. Thank you, Auntie Florence. Grace, we'll invite you again. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Inesh. Have a yeah. nice weekend, everyone, and enjoy your day. Bye bye. Yes. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Everyone. Thank you, sir. Bye. <laughs>